Thank you, thank you. Can you give it up for your fearless leaders, Blake and Kelly? Come on, clap it up for them. Blake is just an amazing leader. Um, not only does he have the spirit of excellence on him, he's just courageous. And he's a man's man. I love Blake. That's the guy. And he influenced me to wear pants where it shows my white socks. So shout out to Blake. How you guys doing? How, how y'all doing out there? You good? You excited to get some filet mignon? Not Applebee-style steak, but Ruth Chris. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm excited to be here. Very honored. Uh, I know Blake does not just let anybody come and teach. So truly, this is an honor. Again, thank you very much for letting me be a part of this series. Thank you for giving me a moment to speak into your life. Um, I, I really believe and pray that this message will bless you because um, it blessed me. This is something that I've applied to my life. I've had the privilege and honor to marry a lot of different young adults who started off 18, 25, or now in their 30s. Um, so I really want to share with you some insight, uh, how to be more than friends but less than lovers. I, I think that's really important because for me, one of the challenging things uh, th that, that I encountered once I felt like I saw a potential prospect in marriage was how do I cultivate a relationship as more than friends, but then still keep the boundaries of being less than lovers. Amen. So I, I want to take us through a journey and unpack what is dating and, and what is what is the different boundaries we need to put in place to where if you have somebody that's a potential, how do I honor God, honor them, guard my heart, yet grow intimacy, grow in relationship? How do we do these things in healthy ways? Amen. Because God is not against you uh, being interested in anyone. He's not against you being attracted to anyone. He actually gave you those, uh, those desires. He actually put, put that inside of you to want to have sex one day, to, to be attracted to someone. However, he just wants you to do it in its proper context. Amen? And what I believe, at least in the generation that I grew up in, oftentimes when I was a young adult, I'm 36 right now, so am I still a young adult? All right. All right, I received that. I actually have a son that's 18 years old. He's a young adult. So I don't think we both can be young adults. Um, but in, in the generation that I grew up, we often grabbed more intimacy than commitment was established in the relationship. And when you reach for intimacy before commitment is established, what happens is you'll give your heart away in moments, and it can take you years to overcome what you gave in moments. So it's always important not to give away something that can take years to overcome and present it to someone in just moments. And there's different ways we present our heart and different ways how we connect. So I just want to talk about how to form healthy attachments, how to build healthy relationships, because I'm all for dating. I even told my son, he's 18 years old, hey, if you want to date, go for it. But understand there's certain parameters and guidelines that you should uh, just adhere to. Now, if you look at the Bible or if you look at God as, as some, some, some uh, let's say this, if you look at the Bible as a book of do's and don'ts, if you look at the Bible as a book of rules, if you look at the Bible and God as, as somebody who can control you versus looking at God and his word as a divine love letter about a king, his kingdom, and his kids. See, when you look at the word of God as this is God's word about a king, his kingdom, and his kids, and he's restoring us back to his love. Amen. So everything in the word of God is not to limit you or restrict you from having fun. It's to help you grow and have it in healthy ways. Because there is a difference between having the choice of freedom and making choices that bring you freedom. Should I say that again? There is a huge difference between having the choice of freedom. We can have the choice to, we, we can make choices out of our freedom and, and, and experience sex before marriage. We can, we can make choices from, from the freedom we have to do things, right? But you got to ask yourself, are those choices bringing you more freedom or taking away freedom? So we have to evaluate uh, the way we make decisions. Now, for me, when I was a young adult, uh, my testimony was I was extremely promiscuous, and then God had to rock me, shake me up, and, and, and I had a lot of different uh, challenging things that happened in my relationship. But then when, when God got a hold of me, I, I made a vow to be absent for God to, for about three years. And in those three years, God did a work in me. He started breaking soul ties off of me. He started, he started breaking my dependence on relationships where, he, where I was supposed to be dependent 
dependent upon him. Amen. Because sometimes when we don't know who God is, we outsource to humanity things that we should only look for in divinity. Oh, Jesus, I felt heaven on that one. Let's go. All right, we working, we cooking. That was, a, that was, a, that was an appetizer of the steak. <laughs> sometimes we outsource to humanity things that we can only get from divinity. And when you begin to outsource things to humanity that you can only get from divinity, you start doing relationships from desperation and brokenness. You start doing relationships or romanticizing friendships out of loneliness. And I don't know about you guys, I messed up a lot of good opposite sex friends because I was lonely. And out of loneliness, I grabbed more intimacy in the relationship than where there was established commitment. And from that, I romanticized perfectly good friends that should have stayed friends. Who am I speaking to in here? I think I'm speaking to this side over here. (laughs) And for me, I struggled with a lot of insecurities growing up. So I outsource finding security, which I should have got from God, which I should have got in his presence. I outsourced it to uh, 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 being promiscuous because in my culture where I grew up, part of masculinity was about uh, your sexual conquest, your economic status, and how much influence you had in your culture. So I would use those things to try to validate in me, and although I felt validated in the moment, I still felt broken when I went home. I still felt broken when, 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 when I was by myself. So if we don't fully know who God is and what he is to us, we'll begin to outsource things in relationships that should only be sourced in a relationship with Jesus. Amen? So when we talk about dating, we have to understand, uh, because that's what I want to talk about, how to be more than friends than less than lovers. Because you're at this stage in life where you you might be interested in someone, and and I I just want to help you uh, understand that there's certain things that should qualify you. You should have some barometers of, like, knowing if you're ready or not, right? You, don't you guys want to know that? Or are you like, nah, I don't want to know because I might now can't date. <laughs> um, but dating, let, 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 me just, let me just redeem. This is not even a scripture word. The word dating doesn't derive in the Bible, nor does the word courtship, right? So from, from the traditional generation in which I grew up in, when we used the word dating, they were like, brother, it's, don't use dating. It's courtship. And then I was like, okay, let me see if that's in the Bible. And then I realized that wasn't even in the Bible. But we get this concept called dating. It's like a sociological concept in a way to where we're supposed to date a friend who can be a potential life partner. And in the dating stage, we're discerning if they have character to match the commitment of marriage. Amen. So, so when we're dating someone, we're not dating to kiss. We're not dating to figure out how sexual we can be. We're dating to collect data to see if they have the character, they have the purpose, they have to call on God on their life as you do to see if they align in a rhythm in a way that, 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 that lines with God's purpose and destiny for you. This is why relationships is not, you, you don't just get into a relationship because you got chemistry with somebody. In all actuality, chemistry can get you in trouble because you can have good moments with someone that still ain't good for you. I had a lot of good moments, but but just because someone can can, uh, meet needs in a season doesn't mean that they can meet needs for a lifetime in the context of marriage. Super important. This is why when we date, and this is why when we're discerning somebody's life and character, we need to see how they act in all seasons. We need to see when they mad. We need to see how they act. We need to see if they manage money well. We need to see do they respect their parents, right? Because, fellas, if you got a woman that you're trying to date and she doesn't respect no men in her life, then what makes you think she's going to respect you? Oh, dang, my bad. <laughs> and, and, and vice versa, right? If Ladies, if you got a man who don't have no respect for women, have no respect for his mom, have no respect for, for, for the, the sisters in the church, then, then how do you, here it is, he's respecting you now because he wants something from you. So of course he's going to be on his best behavior. He's trying to get something from you. You think he godly because he prayed over his food. He loves Jesus. He prayed over his food. He blessed it. It was a long prayer, too. It was anointed. (laughs) 
So we need to be evaluating. One of the things that I loved about my wife when I was dating her is I began to look at her character. Now, I had an insecurity when I started dating her. My wife is gorgeous. She's beautiful. I'm really blessed to have her. And she would be very friendly with the opposite sex. And I was like, man, I don't know if I like that. Now, I was cool with her being friendly with guys that I felt were ugly or not. Not, co- not, not in competition with me. I'm like, I got that. Nah, he, he ain't cute enough. I got him. <laughs> then every now and then, it was a couple guys. I'm like, dang, he kind of handsome. He, you know, he kind of got it together. And, and I would see the same way that she was friendly with them, she, we would also go serve uh, the homeless ministry, and she would be just as friendly and nice with people who would consider the least of these. So I got a chance to judge her character, Amen. And and she got a chance to judge my character. And it's very important to see how you act with the opposite sex. Because you don't want someone who's putting demands on you to do this and do that. Because fear makes demands, love makes requests. When someone has love for you, you don't have to demand anything. You can make a request and love will respond to that request. But the fear is you may make a request and they may not respond to the request and you really want them because you posted all these pictures on social media and you change your status that I'm in a relationship only to find out that they don't respond to any of the things that you care about. So now you have to go through the embarrassment of saying you're not with them. So you rather compromise to keep them for the sake of being honest with yourself and what you compromise to keep you'll always eventually lose. You can't compromise a relationship and kick God out of it and expect the relationship to last. You can only keep a relationship when you keep God first in the relationship. So I want to talk about what is the preparation stage before we even consider dating. I think that's the proper question because there's some things that God did in the beginning, in the first few chapters of Genesis, before he actually brought a, a, a relationship. There's something God did with Adam, first man. And, and, and it was a very insignificant because if you ever want to know what God's purpose for humanity was, you can always read the first three, by, first three chapters of Genesis. Excuse me. Because it's in those chapters we see God's original intent before the fall of humanity. So uh, you can write this down. I'm not going to go over the scriptures for time's sake. But in Genesis chapter 1, 26, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, and Genesis 2, 15, we see three words that was introduced to us that Adam had established in his life before God presented Eve to him. And these things were God had gave Adam his image. He said, let us make man in our image. That word image is resemblance, meaning Adam had the character and the nature of God. See, before you start dating, you want to make sure you carry God's character. You want to make sure you you, you walk in, 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 in a godly way because here it is. If God created relationships, then you want to mirror him in a way to where when he blessed relationship, he blessed it as long as he's in it. And one of the ways we keep God in the relationship is we protect the character of God in our lives. Amen? Y'all didn't like that one. <laughs> You're like, dang, my character's a little messed up. (laughs) The second thing God gave us was presence. Now, for me, I have a problem with missionary dating. Raise your hand if you know what missionary dating is. Missionary dating is when you have a relationship with God, you know how to access his presence, but you go out of the presence, enter into a club. I don't know, y'all might call it the lounge now. You go to the club or you go to the lounge or you find someone outside of God's presence. Now, God's presence is not a place as much as it is an awareness that he's always with you. His presence moves with us, amen? So when I say we step out of the presence, we allow ourselves to lose sight and be aware that he's always with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And we step out of his presence only to try to find someone who is not in his presence, and then we try to drag, we, 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 we become boyfriend and girlfriend with them, and then we drag them to church to try to get them saved when we should have waited for them to get saved before we even started dating them. Super important. Because, ladies, say, yeah. (laughs) I don't care if he's a good man. I don't care if he has good character. Is he a godly man? Does he reverence the presence of God on his life? Is he a sold-out-for-Jesus type of man? Speaking to the Christians. (laughs) 
Because you got to think what tempted Adam and Eve to, to, to hearken to a voice that God didn't want them to listen to. The Bible talked about Satan presented something that was good to them. Which means if Satan wants to bring a wrong relationship in your life, it's not going to show up as a wrong relationship. It's going to show up as something good, but not God, because it was good that got him out of the presence, but it was God that got him back in the presence. So we have to be careful by being a Lord by just what is good, because somebody can be good. They they can have good character. They can have all these different things. But what keeps me faithful to my wife, what keeps Stacy faithful to me, what keeps me a father uh, to my kids and which keeps me pursuing Jesus in the way that I pursue him is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, I, you, know, I, I've, I've, you know, I've counseled a few people and there was a few people that I had to tell them I'm not marrying y'all. I mean, you know, that didn't go over too well. They was mad at me. <laughs> but when it comes to uh, uh, being led by the Spirit and not giving into the flesh, you can only be led by the Spirit and marriage is a spirit spiritual union more than it is a natural union that's why God says with two become one let no man put asunder because not only at at, at me and my wife's honeymoon that we consummated the marriage physically but spiritually we became one so if God sees marriage as a spiritual act just as much as a physical act then we need a spiritual man or woman to do that act together so that we can have a healthy spiritual relationship I feel like I should have got a better amen on that one. Blake, you got me. You got me, Blake. Because there's, you know, I'm, let me just, can I be transparent in here? My wife is the most gorgeous and beautiful woman, but Satan still tries to bring thoughts of temptations outside of what she already does great for me. And what helps me uh, uh, fight those temptations is I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit to give me conviction, which gives me his word, because when a temptation or a thought comes, I'm able to say, God, I declare that I'll always do those things that are pleasing to you. Amen? And I'm able to really hone in on a thought that I shouldn't allow to be there and cast that thought down and take it captive to Christ. But it takes a man who loves Jesus, loves the word, and loves a relationship with the presence of God to be able to cast those type of thoughts down. Amen? Super important. And vice versa, Stacy loves Jesus more than she loves me. Fellas, if you want to get a good woman, get somebody who loves God more than they love you. Clap, clap it up for that, yes. Yes. Because you don't want a woman who you can control. How many of you guys ever saw Coming to America? Raise your hand. Dang, I'm so old. <laughs> there, was, there was a part in Coming to America where this guy was a king, and, and his father tried to bring him a wife. And the wife that he was trying to bring him was like, uh, so he, he would ask her, what is she like? And she would say, whatever you like. He would be like, okay, do you like this? What do you like? She would say, whatever you like. And he would keep asking her, and every time he asked her what she liked, she would respond, whatever you like. You don't want someone who will enmesh with you, meaning they lose their individuality, they lose their separateness to the degree that they forsake the plans and purpose that God has for them to just make you their plan and purpose for them. Because what helps relationships become healthy is two individuals who are whole, and they bring their wholeness together. Do you know when you're dating someone, you're not dating for someone to complete you. You're dating someone to complement the plan and purpose that God has for you. I'm going to say that one again. You're not dating for someone to complete you, to fix you, to heal you. You're dating someone to compliment you, and you're dating someone who complements your purpose, your, your, your destiny, and the plan of God for your life. Now, there are areas where my wife did uh, become a vessel in which God used her to heal me, but I wasn't putting that pressure on her. I looked to God for the healing, and he activated Stacy in a way to where she was the instrument to bring the healing. Because let me just say something, no relationship can meet all your needs either. So I have a relationship with the presence of God so that there's areas in my relationship where Stacy may not be able to meet all my needs. Here it is. If you had someone who can meet your needs 100%, how would you learn how to love them unconditionally? Think about that one. If God wants us to learn how to love unconditionally, but we have somebody who loves us perfectly, how would we learn how to love unconditionally? So God 
packages it, marriage in a way to where they meet a lot of your needs, but there's still some things that may not work. It may not, they may not meet all those needs to where you have to yield and trust him. Amen. And it's, it's in that where we learn unconditional love. We learn how to be patient. We learn how to love. We learn how to forgive. We learn how to be humble. We learn how to serve. Amen. Second thing that God gave us, or third thing, is God gave us purpose. He gave us his character. He gave us access to his presence. But then he gave Adam a job to protect the presence, purpose. Marriage is one of the most purposeful things that God has created. So if you as an individual, excuse me, has not yet found their purpose, if you have not found your purpose, in my opinion, you have no purpose of trying to bring someone into a romantic relationship with you. I know that hurts. But take it from me. I didn't know what my purpose, here it is. If I don't know what my purpose is in God, and I don't know the purpose of why God created women, and I don't know the purpose of why God created man, and I just don't know purpose, when purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. Jesus. You'll begin to abuse something that God gave you for the sake of blessing you, but you'll take what he wanted to bless you with and you'll abuse it because you do not know the purpose of it. So when we step into knowing his character, when we understand how to access his presence, and then we have purpose for our life, what happens is now we set our relationship up for success. And when you got purpose in a relationship, you won't get sexual all the time in the relationship. See, when me and Stacy had purpose of our calling, purpose of our destiny, what happens is we had the bigger picture in, in, in play so that when temptations did come, oh, they will come. Tell your neighbor, they will come. Tell your neighbor, they will come. There we go. There we go. They will come. We were able to recognize that we didn't want to mess up what God was doing. We had purpose. We know that there's an, there's an importance to be sanctified, set apart for God. Amen. So, let's get into some of the good stuff. So, what do I need to know about dating before I start dating? The benefits and danger. Let's go there. So, the benefit of dating is the opportunity to get to know someone new and build a new friendship with someone from the opposite sex. Right? It's, it's, the, the benefit is you get to know someone new. Now, you have to be very careful because there's risk involved. And here's the danger. Becoming physically and emotionally and involved too quickly, grabbing more intimacy than there is commitment. See, there's benefits, but if we don't know who we are, if we don't have the character of God, we don't have the presence of God, and we don't have the purpose of God for our lives, or some clue are in the direction. Because you may not need to have it all together, but you need to be in the right direction. What happens is we start becoming more physical, emotional, and sexual too soon. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that ever happened to you, but just think it in your mind. <laughs> well, we grab more intimacy, right? And here it is. When it comes to relationships without boundaries, most relationships overpromise and underdeliver. Promise a lot, but underdeliver a lot as well. This is why we need boundaries. And, and here it is. You take risks by dating because you may date someone and they may not like you. And that's okay. But check this out. If you didn't grab physical or emotional intimacy quickly, what happens is the, the worst thing is your, 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 your feelings got a little hurt, but you're not completely hurt. But when you grab too much physical intimacy, too much emotional intimacy, it feels like your life is over because you attach yourself in such a deep way too quickly to where now it's hurting a lot more than what it should once someone realized that they don't care or like you in the same way that you may care or like them. There's risk in dating, amen? <laughs> but it's okay that if you date someone and they don't like you because you're not supposed to date a bunch of people and they all like you because God says he has one person for you, amen? It's okay that when I dated, not everyone felt the same way about me as I felt about them because that no brought me closer to the yes with Stacy. <laughs> Amen? So when we date, what we're trying to discern is, here it is, we date because we see potential, but we marry because we have product. Dating is like you see potential, like, you, you, you see something about that guy or that girl in a way to where you're like, I like them. There's a lot of potential there. But uh, I want to use the analogy of making sure that we, and we're going to talk about how to grow intimacy 
in a way to where we don't overly commit and where we protect ourselves. But I think about a fruit. I went to the store. I, went, I like sprouts. I go to Nugget. And one of the things that I like when I go there is cotton candy grapes. Any of y'all ever had cotton candy grapes? I got grapes. <laughs> so one time I went to, uh, it was either sprouts or Nugget, and I went to the cotton candy grape section, and they're, they're seasonal. And I, 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 didn't even t- I didn't even get a chance to taste it or see if I liked it. It just looked very good from just me looking at it. And I bought it, and then I went home after I bought it, and I bit into the grape, and it was very sour and bitter. And the thing about relationships, when we don't have boundaries in place, we may pull someone in emotionally and sexually because they look good physically without asking the right questions to see if we'll have a bitter taste from talking or being in relationship with them. I felt like that was good, (laughs) y'all. So we date for potential, but we marry product. Here it is. I grew up, uh, and, and, and when I went to school, man, I had, I, some of my friends were like some of the best athletes that I know. And they, they were destined to make it to the NBA or the NFL. They had a lot of potential. But they didn't have character to help cultivate potential so that they can be the product of what others saw of them. Amen. So just because someone has potential doesn't mean you marry or you uh, allow yourself to be deeply in a relationship with them because you want to make sure that you see potential. But you also want to see the character. You want to see the way they make decisions. You want to see the way they interact because you don't want to progress in a relationship on potential alone because potential is not what's going to keep a good marriage it's the real deal it's someone who you dated because you see potential but you progressed in stages with them and you see that through the through the different seasons and the different challenges of life they are the same person or they are who they say they are amen so uh, uh, I want to I want to ask I want to answer this question so there may be a question that you may be asking then when am I ready to date ask me that say when am I ready to date I want to give you a few, like, bullet point bombs to help identify when you're ready to date. So, ready for the first one? I don't think it's on there. It's just a question. When are you ready to date? You're ready to date when you don't need to date. (laughs) You need water. (laughs) You need air. (laughs) You need relationship connection, but you don't need to date. Again, what it could be is when you feel like you need to date, you actually need community. Oh, Jesus. You need covering. Sometimes we choose company over covering. Company can entertain you, but covering can help help heal you. It can help lead you. It can help guide you. Amen. My parents is a covering. Uh, uh, my mentors was a covering. My non-romantic relationships that love Jesus is a covering. But sometimes we think we need to date and really we need non-romantic relationships to connect with that can meet the need that we need relationships. You need relationships, but you don't need to date. You just weren't able to discern between the two. The fact that you think that you need the date, need implies that there's something missing in your life. And if there's something missing in your life, then you're saying God is not enough because God said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, he given you, he's given us the comforter, the counselor, the advocate, the standby. This is the Holy Spirit, which is the most important person that you can be in a relationship with. The Holy Spirit is, 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 a, is a spirit that, that it's in the trinity of the God. I don't want to get too deep into the theological of that. But what it is is Jesus said that I must leave so I can send you another gift because Because this is the gift that helps empower you to live a victorious life. Amen. One of the most important things that that ever occurred to me is growing in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just power. It's not just it. Because if the Holy Spirit was just a power, if it was just an it, then the Bible wouldn't say that you can grieve it. You can't grieve electricity. You can't grieve it. You can only grieve a real person. So the Holy Spirit is the person of Jesus that wants to live inside of you. So that way, his convictions, he wants to cultivate his character. When you allow the Holy Spirit comes in, he allows those things to start to develop in your life. Amen. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So how do you know when you're ready to date? When you have learned to be alone. When the last time you went to the movies by yourself? 
When the last time you dated yourself? Do you know that, see, for me, lost my virginity at like 13 or 14 years old, had my first child at like 16, 17. Again, I was outsourcing things to humanity that only divinity can meet, only to realize that I was making a lot of crazy bad decisions. And it was only when I was 23 years old, can I be a little vulnerable? It was only when I was 23 years old in San Quentin Penitentiary facing four years of my life that God gave me a dream. He gave me prophetic insight, and he began to show me where I felt like I was at my most loneliest, most broken, most vulnerable place, that I felt his presence in a way that I knew I wasn't alone. It was in that encounter with God that God showed me, I allowed you to go through a season of feeling like you were alone to show you at some point you're not alone when you trust me. He's nigh to the broken heart and the contrite spirit. And what was a four-year sentence got reduced to a one-year sentence because I surrendered myself in that season of loneliness. I took my, my prison cell, and although I was incarcerated, I allowed myself to be free emotionally, spiritually, and begin to trust Jesus. And some of you in here, you might be incarcerated to a relationship. You might be incarcerated to depression. You might be incarcerated to your past. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to go through it alone. You're not alone. God has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a will for your life. And when you will surrender to God, he'll show you in those lonely seasons that you are not alone. You got to know how to do life for a season alone so that you don't put pressure on relationships that you could have got in your independent relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't want us interdependent, but there's things that I can only get with God in my vertical connection. And from that, I can contribute in my horizontal relationships. See, when I have a vertical connection, I get downloads so that I'm not always taking in my horizontal relationships. I'm not that person that's always needy and can't contribute. Yes, we need relationships. Yes, we need people. And yes, we need to be able to say that, but not to the degree that we can't contribute and offer things. Amen? So you don't need to date. You need Jesus. Need to be vulnerable that you need friendships. Amen? I've seen a lot of great women who were alone, and for the sake of not being alone, they've allowed themselves to yoke up themselves with some very, very unhealthy guys. And they chose to be in an unhealthy relationship just so that they have to be alone. I say to that person, you have to understand the integrity of God when you feel alone will always place the right community, the right relationships, the right pastors, the right people in your life if you'll just be vulnerable enough. See, the woman, at the, the woman who had the issue of blood, the Bible talks about, I'm going on a tangent real quick. The Bible talks about how many people was touching Jesus. But when this woman touched Jesus, he said virtue went from him. And the disciples was like, well, who do you mean, Jesus? Who do you mean somebody is touching you? But the reason why I believe that this woman was able to touch Jesus in the way that she felt the power of God, because she made herself extremely vulnerable. Why did, how did she make herself vulnerable? She was what you recall ceremonially unclean. This woman had an issue of blood for 12 years. And when you have an issue of blood for that long, what happens is you are considered ceremonially unclean. So if you come out in public, the religious leaders were able to stone you because you were considered unclean. Here it is. She was willing to be stoned by people for the possibility of being healed by Jesus. When was the last time you were willing to be stoned by people by being vulnerable in your small group conversation? When was the last time you were willing to be stoned by people when you just came up from prayer? When was the last time you were willing to be stoned by people in a way to where you, you just needed to let people know you don't have it all together? We care so much about what people think, but we don't care about what the Father thinks. God desires a relationship with you. God desires to get to know you. He has a plan. He has power. He has rivers that will flow from you of life if you allow yourself to be vulnerable in a way to where he can meet those needs so proverbs 423 proverbs 423 it says right here so when it comes to potential to product there's a few things that we need to do when it comes to proverbs 423 is it up there that might be an extra scripture that i added no worries i'm gonna read it for time's sake there it is come on let's go it says can we read this together class please 
If we read it together, I will judge you if you get an A, B, C, or D. So let's do this together. I want to give everyone A's. On a count of three, one, two, three. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Sorry, I almost messed that up. (laughs) The translation that I read before says flows. This is pretty interesting because keep, that word keep means to protect. Now, the Bible says protect your heart with all diligence, not some diligence, not seasonal diligence, but with all diligence because out of it flows the issue of life. The thing that you have to know about the heart, according to Jeremiah, it says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. So how do we protect our hearts? How do we keep our hearts? And, and how many of you guys ever made the statement of saying, I followed my heart? only to end up with a broken heart. How is it we can follow our heart and something feels so real and so right, but ends up so wrong? Because the heart was never made to be followed. Ooh, Jesus, I felt God on this one. The heart was made to be led by the word of God. We protect our hearts by putting the word in our hearts. And when we put the word in our hearts, the word will guide our hearts. But when we don't have the word in our hearts, at best, our soul, meaning our mind, our will, and our emotions will lead our hearts. And emotions change like the weather. We can't always rely on our emotions. Our emotions tell us we're gay sometimes. Our emotions tell us that that we want to have sex sometimes. Our emotions tell us that, that you're depressed sometimes. And I'm not disqualifying those emotions. But here it is. When emotions get away from God's will and his word, you put the word in your heart and it tame those emotions. It'll bring those emotions in alignment with truth to the degree where you don't have to follow what you feel. You follow what you know in Jesus' name. Oh, I felt, I felt God on that one. I don't follow what I feel. I don't always feel like honoring my wife. I don't always feel like doing the right thing. I don't always feel like doing the godly thing. But I do not follow what I feel. I follow what I know. I put the word of God in my heart. They said, how can a man keep his way pure in Psalms? It says when you, when you keep the word and hide it in your heart. Hiding that word, the word is the most powerful thing that can change you. It's an incorruptible seed that comes in your heart. The word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It'll cut in the right things and cut out the wrong things. The reason why you're feeling wrong things because you didn't put the word to get the wrong things out. God's word will cut in beauty and take out the ashes. God's word will cut in joy and take out the mourning. God's word will cut in praise and take out the heaviness. God's word will cut in the right things and cut out the wrong things. So we guard our hearts. One of the ways that we guard our hearts when it comes to relationships is in these three specific areas, and I'm just about done. I'm not going to be able to get through everything. We guard our hearts when it comes to friendship, fellowship, and romance. Friendship, fellowship, and romance. So how do we go from potentials to figuring out if someone is the real deal? You start off as friends. Now, what does this friendship stage look like? Sharing the most important part of our lives, which is the reality of Jesus to us and his work in us. We're reading books together in this friendship stage. Uh, we're, 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 we're being honest, we're, 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 you know, we may go to different events together. We're building friendship, amen? Now, in this friendship stage that you're building, it's not about lip locking and kissing and, <laughs> and all of that stuff. I know you may want to, and I know that's good, but you have to understand that when we start getting sexual in, 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 in relationships, what happens is you begin to be object, you, you no longer be objective, you, meaning you no, no longer look at the possible character flaws because sex and being physical with someone has a way of bonding you to the degree where you overlook things that you shouldn't overlook. There's a chemical, ladies, that is released when you begin to be intimate and physical with someone. It's called oxytocin. This is a bonding chemical. It's the same chemical that's released when you have a baby. You bond with that baby. And vice versa, fellas, when you begin to be physical with a woman, there's something called vesipressin. It's a chemical that causes the man to be a protector, to be loyal. And what happens when you start doing sexual things with a friend, that man starts getting a little possessive. He starts getting a little jealous because he activated a principle 
that should only be in marriage, and he's releasing chemicals that wasn't supposed to be released as a friend. That's why he acting a little crazy, because I'm going to act crazy if I have to share my wife. I'm going to have to act crazy if, if my wife is, is bonding with someone that she shouldn't, because that is an appropriate affection or emotion to have when you're married to someone. But if you're in a friendship with someone and they weren't tripping off doing intimate things with you and now they are going crazy and they're like being jealous and possessive and stalking you, it's because you activated something that was only supposed to be activated in marriage. So you got to be careful. Friendship. The next one is fellowship. This is where you share the most important part of your lives with each other. This is where you guys are talking about what God is doing at 1825. This is where you're, you're growing in your love for Jesus. I think I read friendships bullet points uh, for, for fellowship. Let me back up and share friendships. So friendship, you're learning each other through conversation, having fun, spending quality time. You're looking for ways to share different parts of your life, how you can let each other see the real you. You're not, I'm, I'm backing up on friendship because I read fellowship for friendship. Here it is. Let me go back on friendship. This is important. You're not trying to be best friends or boyfriends in a week or girlfriends. You know, sometimes where you're dating someone, you are trying to like just get to, you're trying to bring them as a boyfriend or a best friend in a week. Here it is. Quickly formed relationships are often short-lived. So we're trying to keep a healthy, look, look, I'm not, when I was dating Stacy and we were in our friendship stage, I didn't cancel all my, my appointments. I didn't let go of all my relationships to make her the center of my attention. I kept those relationships, but I made time for her as well. So I balanced my life. Amen? And then romance. This is where friendship and fellowships has deepened. But here it is. Romance is not about what we think. The, 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 the biblical romance is about men pursuing and women responding. In a way to where he's letting you know that he likes you, he cares about you, because you didn't develop the friendship and a fellowship. But biblical romance, see, worldly romance says go after the fantasy. Biblical romance says come back to reality and use wisdom. It says use wisdom, amen? True romance, and if I can have the, the, the team to come up for playing some keys, true romance, everyone say true romance, will only work with holiness, Romance outside of holiness gets us into trouble. Holiness, the Bible says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So we're, 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 we're growing in our affection towards one another, whether that's uh, gestures of gift giving, gestures of affection. But here it is. Those affections and those gift givings are whatever it is that that man is pursuing and you're responding it's appropriate because you established a commitment with that individual. We're now exclusively dating. Amen? You shouldn't be like jumping into romance with someone that you don't even know is exclusively dating, just you. Buying somebody all these gifts. You, you didn't buy him Jordans. You didn't got him all kind of cool stuff. I just, I'm just a giver. <laughs> but you didn't even establish any level of commitment with him. You don't know if he's doing that with other people. And fellas, you, you empty in the bank. <laughs> empty in all your little allowance money. <laughs> you only get $100 a week and you're over there spending 90 of it. <laughs> but here it is. You're actually, fellas, when you begin to overly do things when there's no commitment, it's really because you're just insecure. You don't think you can get a, a woman that looks that good. You don't want to lose her or you don't want to lose him. This is why we need to have image, presence, and purpose because when you have those things, you won't get caught in the tension of being with someone that you know you shouldn't be with, but you also don't want no one else with them. That's insecurities. That's selfishness. You already have set your relationship up for destruction. When you know you don't want to be with someone, but you don't want no one else with them, so you stay with them so no one else can have them. You playing games. You playing games and you're not trusting that God can bring the right one at the right time. You're not trusting that. Here it is. God brought Stacy to me, but guess where I was? 
when he brought her to me. I was in purpose. We should be so focused on building the kingdom that God has to interrupt us in our single season to show us that he has somebody for us. You know who should be the most productive people in the church? Single people. What you mean you ain't got no time? You got all the time in the world. You single. Paul said that, you know, it's a blessing to be. Here it is. There is nothing wrong with being single. Who the heck told you that demonic lie that there is something wrong with you because you're single? Singleness is a blessing from God, just as well as marriage is a blessing from God. I couldn't be healthy in my marriage unless I was healthy in my singleness. And singleness is separate, unique, whole. You found what makes you unique. You're whole in God and you're separate, meaning you know who you are. You're not giving up things that God doesn't want you to give up. Singleness is a blessing because you'll never get it back. I'll never be able to read two books in a week anymore. (laughs) Now I'm good if I can average one book a month. With all these kids, and because the Bible says that when you're married, your interest is divided, which is I got to please God and I got to please my spouse. But when you're single, here it is. You're trying to be single and it's not working because you have to be devoted to God while you're single for it to work. Singleness without devotion to God won't work. You'll begin to look at the world. You'll begin to look at, you know, guess what? All the relationships that look like they popping online, they're not all popping. Translation, they're not all good. I'm from the Bay Area. We use that, but we talk about popping. <laughs> we look at just a highlight reel of people that seem happy. Nobody, you know, some of those relationships that look like they're just happy, they're not posting the things that are bad happen. I'm, I'm a victim of that. I'm showing you the pictures that when we celebrated my wife's birthday, I'm showing you pictures when we, when we feel and fitted. I'm not showing you the pictures when Stacy like, you get on my nerves. I'm not like, see, we, we, we not getting along. Jeez. <laughs> Nobody is showing that. So you got to be careful not to want something off of something that's not really real. James 1, 4 through 5 says, Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is super powerful. One of the greatest things that I learned in my singleness was the importance of patience. Can I drop another bomb on y'all? Patience is not about how long you wait. It's about how well you're behaving while you're waiting. That's it. That's it. I don't know if I can say it. It just came from heaven. <laughs> Patience is not about how long you wait. God, I've been single for 10 years. I've been single for five years. If you're 18 to 25, you've really only been single for a few years. I've been single for this long. It's not about how long you've been single. If you're counting the clock on your singleness, then you're, that's an indication that you're not truly devoted to God. Now, I'm not saying you won't have the desire, but you're so into the things of the Lord. You're so into his purpose and presence that you still find satisfaction from being a single. So it's not about how long you wait. It's about how well are you behaving in the waiting. Have you done what God last told you to do? When you asked him, can he bring you someone? Did God respond with, hey, I need you to get involved in that church. I want you to be a part of that group. I want you to go in that study. Because if you're not waiting well while you're waiting, then you're not really waiting. You're wasting time. There's a few things you can do with time that I learned the hard way. Oh, Jesus, write this down if you're taking notes. This is just something that popped in my spirit. You can waste time. You can spend time or you can invest time. In your singleness, you are investing time with the Father because he's setting you up for your next season of life. Some of my best sermons, some of the strategies, some of the different things that God is birthing now didn't happen when I was married. It happened in my single season that he downloaded things to me in a way that where I'm able to step into it right now. God is good. 
If you're in a relationship right now, there's a question that somebody asked me. And from this question, I turned it into a, 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 a play on words. What do I do with my lips <laughs> if I'm in a relationship? What if I want to kiss? Guess what? If you're thinking about the physical things, I'm not, I'm not going to put a law and say what you shouldn't do or shouldn't do. But if you're in a relationship and you're trying to figure out if somebody's a potential or, or a product or the real deal, you don't have to just worry about kissing. You should be communicating. You can use, you can use your lips in that way. Communicate your heart, your feelings, everything. I put this down here. You, you, when you're dating, your lips should be used to express feelings, disagreements, frustrations. The goal in dating is not to avoid conflict so we can stay feeling romantic. But the goal is to embrace conflicts, conflict so romance can truly grow. I'm going to say that again. I'm sorry, these are things that God gave me in my personal devotion this morning. Our goal is not to avoid conflict so we can stay feeling romantic. But the goal is to embrace conflict so romance can grow. You know, when I share to my wife, hey, I didn't like when you did that. Or when she shares to me a disagreement. Or we share our innermost thoughts and hearts and feelings. We allow romance to grow because what happens is God reveals to me through that level of vulnerability that I have someone who is for me. But when I avoid the conflict to try to keep romance, what I have is a superficial romance and not a godly romance. The most romantic thing that I feel that me and my wife had is we got each other's back. We love each other. I know if no one else got me, she got me. And from that, feelings of love and deep admiration begins to grow because we didn't do relationships superficially. We did relationships from a godly perspective. Amen. Bow your head. Just want to do a few call to actions. Father, we just thank you for the word. We thank you for what you're doing here in Bayside 1825. God, I thank you for this series that Blake and Kelly and the team is um, taking on. I just, I pray, Father, that you would continue to bless this month of February to empower these young adults. And I also just pray for anyone in here that doesn't know Jesus. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In order to experience some of the things that I talked about today, you have to first have a relationship with Jesus. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus and, and you want more healthier relationships, you, you, you want to do relationships the right way, or you just, you just want a change, and you've never accepted Christ in your life, I want to invite you to one of the greatest relationships that you will ever have is a relationship with God's son, Jesus. If that's you and you're in here today, can you just, while every head is bowed and every eye closed, can you just lift up your hands for me, please, if that's you? You've never had salvation in your life. I see that hand. Anyone in here, I see that hand. If you're in here and you just, I want to know Jesus. If you're unsure, if you're feeling something in your spirit right now where you want to raise your hand, but you don't want to raise your hand, guess what? That's the Holy Spirit working on your heart. I see that hand. That's the Holy Spirit saying, I want you, my daughter. I want you, my son. I want to have a closer relationship with you. I want to help you in your relationships. I want to be there for you. I see those hands. Secondly, you might have accepted Christ in one season of your life. And, and you, you did that, that experience of being saved, but you might have made some bad decisions along the way, and you're not really sure. You might have felt like I've broken fellowship or I've backslided or I'm not, I don't feel that connection with God anymore. If you're in here today and you just want to rekindle that connection with God, you want to restore that relationship. And the thing about it is you might have felt like you left God, but God never left you. He says he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. You just got to let him in. So even though we may feel like he left us, he didn't. But if you want to rekindle 
that fire. You want to rekindle that relationship with the Lord. If that's you and you're in here, just raise your hand and I want to pray with you and for you. See those hands all across the room. Way to be vulnerable. Vulnerability is how you connect to God. He's looking at those hands raised, and he is happy. He's like, my son, my daughter, I've been wanting a relationship. I've been wanting to deepen our connection. I'm proud of you. You may put your hands down. And if you're in here today and you know you're safe, you feel like, you know, I've been walking with God, but I just need wisdom in how to do relationships. I've made some bad decisions, and I've repented. But I I just can't shake the relationship that I just got out of. I I can't shake this bad relationship. What you have could be an unhealthy soul tie. You know, soul ties are healthy. I have a soul tie with Blake, meaning we're friends. We connect. I have a a deeper soul tie with my, my spouse and my kids. Soul ties are good, but sometimes we form illegitimate soul ties where we give people access to our body, our minds, and our hearts in a way to where commitment wasn't established. To, that, to the degree that relationship is still influencing our thoughts. It's still influencing our decisions. It's still influencing the way we do relationships because we haven't fully got over that relationship. If you're in here today and you want to break that soul tie so that you can be free from those past relationships and be able to embrace the new relationships, would you be bold and courageous and vulnerable enough to raise your hand? I see all those hands. Come on, God is moving in here. You may put your hand down. Stand to your feet. Let's say some prayers together. Lift up your hand. As Blake mentioned, two hands. (laughs) I love that analogy of what he said. And then I'm also going to use the, if he can bless a handkerchief, (laughs) he can bless a handshake. That was so good. For the first call, let's say this together so those who want salvation, don't feel alone. Say, Father, forgive me of all my sins. I invite you into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I accept you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Now I give you full access to my heart, Jesus. And just say, I'll receive that right now. For the second call, if you're in here today and you just want a fresh anointing, you want to you rekindle your relationship, I want to pray with you and then lead you into another con- uh, confession. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, you said that you draw nigh to those that draw nigh to you. Lord, it's with our confession of mouth and our believing of the heart that we are able to experience your promises. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, for those that have been feeling distant from you, from those have, that have been feeling like you left them, I just, first of all, come against all those lies right now in the name of Jesus. I come against every satanic and diabolical assignment that is trying to steal their peace, steal their connection. I break it and I sever it right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would touch every person in here that wants a deeper relationship. Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to give them a fresh anointing, a fresh touch from you. I pray pray that you will start waking them up again in the morning. I pray that you will start giving them all kind of crazy confirmations. I pray that you will start speaking to them through through music, speaking to them through every aspect of life, God. I pray that you would uh, uh, reinvigorate them, bring them back to life. Here it is. I come against dry bones right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to every dry bone every dead spot or place in your heart and I say you will live I declare you will come alive in Jesus name I pray father according to your promise that you will give them a heart that will respond God is saying right now he's taking away the stony heart and he's giving you a heart that will respond to him in Jesus name so I just speak that over them right now and for those that want to respond to that second call I want you to say this prayer with me and everybody let's just say this together say father Increase my sensitivity to your voice. Holy Spirit, I ask for a fresh touch from you. Give me that hunger 
for your word, for your presence, for church, for community. Not religion, but relationship. I want to go deeper. In Jesus' name. Now for those who raise their hand for soul tie, I want to pray a prayer over you. And I'm going to lead you in a confession to break every soul tie off your life. Keep your hand raised as we're closing out. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against every soul tie that was formed illegitimately. I pray every soul tie that was formed through sexual union or unhealthy emotional attachment. I pray right now through the blood of Jesus that it will be broken off their heart, their mind, their decision, their imagination. I come against every soul tie that was formed that should have not been formed, God. I come against it and I sever its hold off of their lives right now in the name of Jesus. I come against every mind-binding spirit. I come against every affliction. I come against every torment where soul ties had opened the door to the enemy. And I take authority over every plan of the enemy. And I declare, Satan, you have no place, no hold over their lives right now in the name of Jesus. I declare the blood to free them. I pray that through the blood they are free from an evil conscience. I pray through the blood they are free from all unrighteousness. And I pray through the blood they are free from un healthy relationships in Jesus name now repeat this after me say God forgive me for creating soul ties prematurely or with people I should have never had a soul tie with I reclaim the grounds of my heart of my sexuality of my mind of my imagination of my decisions back to you. Restore my virtue. Restore my innocence. Restore clarity back into my life. Oh, Jesus, you don't have to say this. I feel like God is telling me to release clarity over you right now. You're getting your clarity back now in Jesus' name. Soul ties will mess up your clarity to where you can't see or hear or know what God is doing because you have yoked yourself up with someone in a way you should have never yoked yourself up with them. So repeat this after me. Say, I believe every soul tie is broken right now through the blood of Jesus. I declare it, I decree it, and I receive it by faith. And if you believe that God has answered every last one of those prayers on the count of three, I just want you to give him some crazy praise. One, two, three. Give him some praise.